Welcome to Deeply Rooted Online, where women encourage women by sharing scripture and stories of God at work. Hi friends, we're back again with Deeply Rooted Devos, and I'm glad to have my friends Martha and Val here with us again today. We will be continuing in our series on prayer, and uh, we're just really glad that you've chosen to join us today, and so Val, what would you like to share with us about the subject of prayer? One of my favorite topics, I'm telling you, just one of my favorite topics. And when you think of prayer, um, we turn to prayer when we're troubled, when we're hurt, worried, afraid even. And we want, no, we expect God to fix it when we pray. We know the verses about uh, how God can do anything. We also know that we can come into his presence because of what Jesus did on the cross. We know prayer changes things, but do we know prayer changes us? And when we grasp that we are speaking to the God of the universe, the creator God, and acknowledge the God Almighty and his glory, the end result is always praise, and praise changes our hearts. It aligns our prayers to his will. And that's what we find with King Hezekiah, who's found in the Old Testament in 2 Kings. Well, it also, he's found in Chronicles in Jeremiah and Isaiah. But today's story is going to be in 2 Kings 18 and 19. Now, Hezekiah has a very interesting background. His grandfather was one of the few good kings and there weren't many. We, we constantly read in the Old Testament, and, you know, the king did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the king did evil, and it goes on. But his grandfather was one of the few good kings. But his father, King Ahaz, was one of the worst, most wicked kings there, are, there was in the Old Testament. And then along comes Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is one of the good guys. And that's who we're going to turn to today about in 16 years, his father Ahaz totally destroyed and ruined everything that his father had set up. So Hezekiah has his work cut out for him. And according to 2 Kings 18, Hezekiah was 25 when he became king, and he ruled for 29 years. So what was it that he did as soon as he became king? Esther, would you mind reading 2 Kings 18, verses 3 to 6. Sure, Val. So 2 Kings 18, 3 to 6 says, And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And did you catch that? There was none like him before or after him in all of Judah. This is a man like David who was after God's heart. Mm -hmm. 
And then in verse 7, it tells us that wherever he went, he prospered. So what is it like when everything is going well? We're in our Bibles. We're serving the Lord in our church. There's no strife in our life. How's our prayer life going, ladies, at this point? I find that we get into sort of a coast mode. We don't pray as much. We take things for granted. We think that we've got it going on all on our own. Absolutely. Yes, yes. We get a little more um, self-reliant right. when we, things aren't going wrong because, we're, hey, we're doing it okay. Everything's happening. Mm -hmm. And God always will allow a trial or something to come into our lives that will bring us right back to being on our knees and in his will. And look what happens to Hezekiah. In chapter 18 of 2 Kings, it's in, the fourth, in the ninth verse, it says, In the fourth year, some of the kingdom is taken away in war by the Assyrians. Next verse. In the sixth year, Samaria is taken. That's a huge chunk. In the fourteenth year, all of the fortified cities of Judah are taken by the Assyrians. There's hardly a kingdom left for Hezekiah. So, you know, like most of us, Hezekiah decides to take this problem into his own hands, and he comes up with a plan. He comes up with this idea that if I just say I'm wrong, if I just come up with some fake excuse, because he wasn't in the wrong, but he says to the, the king of Assyria, I I'm wrong. So if you will just leave, please, you can ask of me anything, and, 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 I'll, and I'll give it to you, like a payment. Well, King Assyria jumps at that, and it's a pretty steep price. And it tells us that poor Hezekiah had to even strip the gold off the temple doors to pay this price. And of course, it didn't work. <laughs> Most of our plans don't. And very shortly after that, King Assyria is, uh, is back, or the king of Assyria is back again. And this time, he's after Jerusalem, the city in which Hezekiah lives. So now he's going to take his home. All right. <laughs> How many times do we turn to our own devices and think that we can do it? We don't bring it before the Lord because, goodness sakes, we have a brain. We can do this. How does that pan out? Well, I definitely would say I've had experience with that. And I think, oh, I'm going to do this at church and I don't need to pray about it. Or even in a secular situation at work, if there's a challenge, oh, I don't need to pray about that because last time, this is what he did, and yep. it all worked out. And, you know, God tells us, pray about everything. Yeah. And so when I go into these things without prayer, I end up often doing poorly. And it's not that my gift has changed or even my approach, but if we truly rely on the God of the universe, well, the one way we say that is by prayer. And we say that we're not relying on God when we don't pray. And we rely on ourselves. Exactly. Yes, yes. So with his home city surrounded now, and the enemies shouting out and mocking God, Hezekiah just feels defeated and, and crushed. In chapter 19, it starts off by him tearing his robes and putting on sackcloth, which is a sign of deep mourning. And he says this, this is the day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. 
Children have come to the point of birth and there's no strength to bring them forth. Totally hopeless and helpless is the way he felt. But he does send out servants to the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah tells the servants, oh, no, 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 you go back and tell your master, do not be afraid. God is going to send a rumor to the king of Assyria and he's going to have to rush back to his homeland and there he's going to be killed. But while that's going on, the king of Assyria has written a really strong letter to Hezekiah. And he says to him, don't believe anything your God says about saving Jerusalem. Look at all the cities I have destroyed. And then he starts to name them. Like he's really pounding it into Hezekiah. And he goes on for verses. Look at this city and I destroyed that. Look at this city. We took them captive. Look at this. And he just goes through all the cities. He's very powerful at this point, king, the king of Assyria. And then he says, you're next. But this time, Hezekiah does the right thing. And he takes that letter and he goes into the house of the Lord and he opens it up before God and he prays. And his prayer is such a wonderful prayer. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. And it says, Hezekiah prayed, O Lord, the God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim of the ark in the temple, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms and of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. Lord, bow down your ear and hear. Lord, open your eyes and see. Hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock, report, insult, and defy the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste the nations in their lands and have cast the gods of those people into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of man's hands, wood and stone, so they could destroy and destroy them. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech you, save us out of his hand. And here's the kicker that all the kingdoms of the earth may know and understand that you, O Lord, are God alone. How's that for power? In just a short time before this prayer, Hezekiah had been feeling helpless, defeated, and now that he has been in the presence of the God of the universe, he feels strengthened, he feels encouraged, he understood he was before the creator God, and that awe put everything in perspective. The problem didn't change. The Assyrians are still at the door, wanting to come in and conquer, but the perspective changed because he realized he was with the God of the universe, and that God was on his side. What a difference that makes. I've used this example before, but when I was raising five kids on my own, there were many days I was overwhelmed. And I would go outside at night and look up at the stars and go, yeah, that God. That God is looking after me. And you just go to bed strengthened, encouraged, because we're in awe of the God that we serve. And to be in awe is to recognize and acknowledge him as the God Almighty. Nothing like remembering how big God is to show us how little our problems are. And that's not all. Acknowledging God's glory humbles us and reminds us it's not about us. Hezekiah's prayer starts with God and ends with God. And I just, I just love that last verse. So now, O oh Lord God, save us, please, from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you 
O Lord, our God alone. And to wrap up that story of, of um, Hezekiah, exactly what Isaiah said happened. The king of Assyria did hear a rumor. And he did hurry back to his kingdom that he thought was being attacked. And that night, two of his sons killed him while he slept. Exactly the way God had it. He has a plan, and we should be leaving things in his hands. Don't you agree? Oh, amen to that. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for those challenging words, Val, those reminders. I know that um, I mentioned at the beginning that we can come confidently into the presence of God. And I love that, that verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16. But I want to leave us with the thought that let's remember we're also coming before the God Almighty who created the universe and everything in it. And let's just dwell in that awe. And that way it will change our perspective to pray prayers that give God glory. And therefore, we will remember the one who created us and who loves us. So let's be Hezekiahs in our battles and stay rooted in prayer and in the word. Thank you so much, friends, for joining us as we've looked into this subject of prayer once more. And we're reminded that we have an awesome God who cares about all the details, the little details, the big details. And so until next time, we, we are praying that you will pray and stay deeply rooted in Christ. Thanks for joining us at Deeply Rooted today. If God has been speaking to you and you want to connect with someone for prayer, email us at deeplyrooted at myharvestchurch.ca. Be sure to subscribe to this channel to receive notifications when new content is released. And finally, let's stay connected with one another and deeply rooted in Christ.